0: Hello, welcome back to Coffee with a Calvinist. This is a daily conversation about scripture, culture, and media from a Reformed perspective. Get your Bible and coffee ready and prepare to engage today's topic. Here's your host, Pastor Keith Foskey.
1: Welcome back to Coffee with a Calvinist, my name is Keith Foskey and I am a Calvinist. Today's program is going to be a follow-up from yesterday's program, and if you didn't get a chance to listen to yesterday's program, let me catch you up to speed. On yesterday's program, I talked about the subject of baptism and how different churches view baptism in different ways, and I did that as part of our academy At Sovereign Grace Family Church, where I'm the pastor, we have Sovereign Grace Academy. And in the class last night, we talked about baptism as part of our overall ecclesiology or doctrine of the church. And so one of the things I did not get to talk about in class, and I didn't discuss it yesterday on the program, and I wanted to bring in today's program as a way to sort of close the circle, is the mode of baptism. And by mode, I mean, how do we believe someone should be baptized? And there are churches that sprinkle, and by that they take water, and they sprinkle water on top of the head of the baptismal recipient. Again, whether it is a child or whether it is an adult or an infant, it doesn't matter. They would sprinkle water, and they would call that baptism. Other churches pour water water onto the head. Again, still the head uh, of, the, of the recipient, but rather than sprinkling a little bit of water, more water is used and that water is poured. And then there is, of course, baptism by immersion. And that is where the body of the individual is completely submerged in water. And uh, many Baptists and I count myself among them, I consider uh, the teaching that our church espouses in line with the 17th century English Baptists, and of course uh, with many Baptists who are still today, would argue that the Practice of immersion is what is intended to be conveyed from the scripture. And we we believe this based on a few things. One, the the concept that baptizo would have meant to be immersed in water. But also in the times where we see baptism practiced in scripture, uh, we typically see people going into the water. For instance, uh, it's... Not really debated, John the Baptist was baptizing in the Jordan by bringing people down into the water. when Philip was with the Ethiopian eunuch, uh, he says, "Here is water. you know what what prevents me from being baptized?" and therefore they got down out of the chariot and he was he was baptized. he was placed into water. I do know though that there are those from other Competing positions that would say that baptizo does not have to mean to be immersed. It does not that, that there are other ways to interpret that word. And so I understand that this is a debate between various positions, and I don't intend to try to solve that debate on today's program. But what I do want to share with you is something that a lot of people are very unfamiliar with. And this is an early writing from the church, that is what we would call a piece of extra biblical literature and it's something called the didache now the didache uh, that that word simply means the teachings and this particular document uh, has been dated by some to the time of the apostles so there is a belief that this document is as early as the middle of the first century Um, But some would argue that it's a little later than that. Some would push it into the second century. And so, again, not arguing for the dating of the Didache, but I do think that what it provides for us is a very important window into the, the practice of the early church. And again, one of the things that I would hope that we would want to do is that we would want to model ourselves after the apostolic church in the in the way that we practice our expressions of faith, particularly the expression of faith uh, as as something as meaningful as baptism. And so, I want to just read to you from chapter seven of the Didache when it, when. Regarding chapters, it's really just a paragraph, but I want to read this paragraph because I think it gives an interesting historical insight. And again, the Didache, this was basically like an early church manual, almost like a church... Constitution or a church set of, of, of orders. This is how this particular church in this particular time was managing things like um, false teachers and how to participate in the Lord's Supper and how to um, deal with uh, sins that are that are forbidden and things like that. There's the, the, there are the, the document itself is, um, you know, 16 Chapters or sixteen paragraphs uh, that are dealing with you know even things like assembling on the Lord's Day and bishops and deacons and and things like that. So in chapter seven of the Didache it reads as such. And concerning baptism, baptize this way, having first said all these things, baptize into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Matthew twenty eight nineteen. In living water, but if you do not have living water, baptize into other water. And if you cannot in cold, in warm, but if you have not either, pour out water thrice upon the head into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. But before the baptism, let the baptizer fast and let the baptized and whatever others can but you shall order the baptized to fast one or two days before. All right, so so let's just for a moment sort of break down what the Didache is saying here. First, it says concerning baptism um, that you are to be baptized in the triune name, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This, of course, again, it references Matthew 28, 19. This is, of course, how we are supposed to baptized. Jesus tells us, go into all the world and baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. But it says to do so in living water. Now, the word living water is not a term we use very much. We would say running water, or we would say uh, like a stream, moving water. And again, the picture here, John the Baptist baptizing in the River Jordan. This is water that is moving. It's not a stagnant pond, but it is it is moving water. So this would say right away to the mode that you're putting them in water. And uh, also that the water is to be cold. Uh, for, for For what reason? It doesn't necessarily explicitly tell us. But it says if you do not have living water, baptize into other water, and I, I'm assuming that would mean some form of a pool or a pond or or something like that. And again, if it's not cold, you can baptize them in warm water. Uh, but if you have if you don't have either of those, then pour out water thrice upon the head into the name of the Father and of the Son, the Holy Spirit. So it's interesting that this early church manual, did allow for the practice of pouring water rather than the requirement of full immersion, but it was only if immersion wasn't possible, if it was only if there was not the amount of water there to perform an immersive baptism. And so I would say that we have definitely a historical reason to see immersion as the mode the the primary mode of the early church and so it would only make sense that if we want to continue to uh maintain that 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 practice of the church that we would continue to immerse now i have said many times and and i i uh i will continue to stand by this if if someone were in a position where they could not be immersed, such as a person who was perhaps on a deathbed uh, or, or some situation like that, they're very sick in the hospital, and uh, they, they received Jesus Christ as Savior, and they called upon me to baptize them in, um, in regard to their faith, in response to their repentance and belief, then I would have no problem pouring water on their head Uh, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and administering administering baptism to them in that way. But that would be an exception to the rule. And, And again, an exception to the rule proves the rule. And the rule of the mode of baptism is that the person would be immersed. And again, I point back to something I said in class last night. Baptism is a picture of something. And the picture that baptism, according to uh, the Bible, baptism is a picture of death, burial and resurrection, is a picture of our union with Christ. It's a picture of regeneration, dead to sin, alive to Christ. And so this is also why in our particular church and in many churches, the person is laid backward as if it were a burial, in water and then when the person comes up out of the water it is as if they are picturing what has happened to them spiritually they having been born again so that is the argument that i would make for the mode of baptism that it would be what we would practice at our church the mode being baptism by full immersion Uh, do i think that this is a position that that we we should argue about or or call each other heretics over. No, I certainly understand that there can be disagreement on this by legitimate believers in Christ and still remain in good fellowship. But as I said, I think this historic, this historical document, the Didache, helps us in, in this regard. It gives us a picture into the early church and helps us to understand that even as far back as within the first century or possibly into the second century, there was a manual on how to baptize. And that manual said that a person is to be immersed. um, And only if that is not possible, that water would be used to pour rather than to immerse. So just a thought for the day. I hope this has been helpful and I hope it was a good follow up to yesterday's program. And if you didn't get a chance and you'd like to listen to last night's class where I go over the subject of uh baptism and the lord's supper as the two ordinances of the church you can find that on our sermon audio page feel free to go and look that up on our website sgfcjax.org that's sovereign grace family church of jacksonville thank you for listening to coffee with a calvinist my name is Keith Foskey, and i've been your calvinist may god bless you
0: thank you for listening to today's episode of coffee with the calvinist If you enjoyed the program, please take a moment to subscribe and provide us feedback. We love to receive your comments and questions and may even engage with them in a future episode. As you go about your day, remember this, Jesus Christ came to save sinners. All who come to him in repentance and faith will find him to be a perfect savior. He is the way, the truth, and the life and no one comes to the Father except through Him. May God be with you.